I'm Jeremy Allaire, and welcome to The Money Movement, a show where we explore the issues and ideas driving this brave new world of digital currency and blockchains. I'm very excited for this week's show. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been a big week all around. Uh, yesterday, we launched uh, USDC for Solana. Center announced it as an official chain for USDC. Uh, native USDC launched. Um, it launched uh, on leading exchange FTX and in, in uh, emerging and, and very exciting uh, DeFi project Serum. Bitcoin crossed 13K. It was exciting to watch that happen on USDC on top of the Serum DEX. Um, and uh, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why all this is so important. Um, and I think the you know kind of bigger focus is going to be kind of zooming out and thinking about um, a few kind of big picture items that are really facing our industry today. So one is really just layer one blockchains. Where are we? Um, there's incredible innovation happening on chain. Um, how do we meet the demands of that? Whether it be like scaling out global consumer payments or scaling out market infrastructure, scaling out DeFi, um, really critical topic. We're gonna to drill into that. DeFi itself, um, some, some of the fundamental primitives that have been built by leading firms, um, what is the future of that? Composability, uh, composability on these different uh, layers of blockchains, and then ultimately, like, what are we building here? Um, what do these crypto markets look like? Um, we kind of see a glimmer of that today on DeFi, but what is this infrastructure? What is this all about? What are we ultimately building? What is that going to do for the world at large? Um, so we're in the here and the now, um, and many of the things that. Uh, a lot of us have, have dreamed about for years are really becoming possible. And I think we're now entering an era where this can really truly deeply begin to change the world. So I love to have uh, amazing people and projects on the show and am really blessed this week to have, I think two of uh, the most talented and innovative people in the crypto industry uh, here today. So uh, really excited to welcome Anatoly Yakovenko, who's co-founder of Solana, and Sang Bankman-Fried, who's a founder of uh, Alameda Research, FTX, and has helped kick off Project Serum. Welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yes. thank you for having us. Yeah, um, there's so much, uh, so much to talk about. I'm going to keep this like super simple, just up front. Um, maybe just quickly, like 60 seconds on like what you're working on. Um, and then we're gonna get into a bunch of these topics. Um, maybe Anatoly, I'll start with you. Um, I'm working on Solana, which is kind of this hyper fast blockchain. And my day-to-day -day is just trying to make block times smaller and smaller. It's around 350 milliseconds today. So pretty <laughs> proud of that. <laughs> that's a good project. All right, I like yeah. that project, uh, that, that's awesome. Uh, Sam, how about you? That was 30 yeah. seconds, but you get so you get. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy! So uh, my name is, is Sam. Um, I uh, I'm sort of primarily doing two things. Uh, the first is running FTX, a global crypto derivatives exchange, and I mean day to day, that's just a, a really wacky variety of things from you know thinking about what new products to launch to responding to irate customers over email, um, and I, uh, you know, with with the rest of my time, I'm shepherding. Forward Project Serum, which is a decentralized ecosystem on Solana. And that also serve a wide variety of stuff, a lot of which is figuring out what things people want or need in order to start building on or using Serum. 
Yeah, that's awesome. We're gonna uh, we're gonna dive into that in a whole in a whole bunch more detail. I want to start with the first topic um, here, which is sort of layer one blockchains. And um, you know, I I talk to people about this often, and and there's lots of different metaphors you can use. Um, but you know, we're we're sort of in this phase of like these you know third generation blockchains. Solana very much is a third generation blockchain. You know, sort of Bitcoin being first generation, Ethereum being second generation, and and things like Solana and, and others, these third generation. And um, I conceptualize this, and, and you can help me if you think this is, is, is reasonable, but like I conceptualize these third generation chains as essentially like new internet operating system layers that are being built, that people can build on top of, that have you know, built-in primitives for executing code, managing storing, you know, transactions and, and associated data. And doing that obviously in this sort of open permissionless way. Um, but I think for, for people like, why is that important? It's kind of like when we move from dial up to broadband. And, and in fact, in, in reality, like a lot of the problems that we're trying to solve is about throughput. It's about speed. It's about how, how big are the pipes as it were um, to be able to do this. And, um, you know, I, I guess maybe starting with you Anatoly, um, how are you thinking about um, how are you thinking about these things when you think about what you're trying to accomplish with Solana? Do you look at it that way, and then maybe just make the case for Solana a little bit? Um, yeah. Here. Um, so I I kind of you know got bit by the bug of, of of like layer one and blockchain in a similar way as you described. It's it's kind of a new kind of operating system. It's a new way to run and deploy code that kind of runs there forever. It never gets shut down. Um, that that's a cool kind of geeky thing. Um, and the, the way we've been approaching it is we kind of thought of, you know, what is like a lighthouse implement, what is like a lighthouse, like demo or use case that we could really go after that really proves this entire space. And, um, fundamentally, I think trading and price discovery was this kind of like the hardest problem. How do we build a system that's open to everybody to use where it's fair for people to trade and market make and do price discovery? discovery such that there is no like central party that can you know screw anyone else right like how do you actually like get it to a point where it's transparent and fair um and uh that's really what kind of we've been focusing on is building this this project like this operating system to support that uh because once we kind of accomplish that really all the other use cases which i think might even be bigger than just trading on its own you know from social networks to payments to everything would work there as well, right? This is kind of like, you know, you build Windows to run a, a spreadsheet, right? Or a browser, and then like everything else is possible. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, ha having these, you know, immutable data structures and programmability and scale, like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I know like Jack Dorsey and team are thinking about like their own protocols for being able to do decentralized Twitter and so on. Theoretically, right, you could do that on something like Solana. Yeah, and like what, what I see now that's really kind of like exciting is that I think we've solved this like the puzzle of, of getting information that's replicated on these systems in a very quick and short time frame to where you can post a trade and you see it notified and being in the order book like almost immediately. So that looks and feels like a central system that users are not even going to know that they're up like using like, you know, centralized, like a decentralized service versus a centralized one. And I think this is where like innovating te teams like you guys can now start like actually breaking out into like the space of like competing with like the visas and MasterCards and kind of the established companies to where they, they don't have any advantages anymore. 
right? The, and to me, you guys now have all the advantages. So th this has been like my dream, like the last two years working on this is get getting it to this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. And, and you know, I, this has been the dream, right? This idea that you could have <laughs> representations of value, fiat value as well, that could just transmit at the speed of the internet and with the interoperability and openness and, and, and cost efficiency of, of all that and effectively moving value becomes a commodity free service on the internet, right? So we're approaching yep. here. Um, I heard you talk about, um, you know, the, and you said it in your intro, like this obsession with, um, with speed. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I heard you, uh, you know, 350 milliseconds, that's pretty good for a decentralized, uh, that's amazing, you know, for a decentralized system. <laughs> that's, that's computing and, and processing transactions. Um, I, I heard you talk about wanting to get to uh, effectively like the the speed of light on fiber, right? 80 milliseconds. Yeah. Um, and and like people who are like into, you know, electronic markets, like that's meaningful, right? Because you think about information yeah. moving and then how do you respond to that? And I mean, is that in reach? Yeah. So um, this is where like, I think that this kind of lighthouse, like making serum like as good as the New York Stock Exchange, yeah. this is what like we've been obsessed with internally and because if you have a system that can propagate state transitions as fast as the news, yeah. uh, it's going to be as good as the New York Stock Exchange at price discovery. Yeah. You're still going to have these like local high frequency trading markets, but all they're doing is like taking orders from their customers and then doing statistical yeah. arbitrage against yeah. a global price point. Yeah. Sam will probably have like a bunch of nuances and yes and no, <laughs> but like this is my my understanding of it. Like we can get to that point. Uh, we can actually go faster than fiber because you can. Yeah you know, build neutrinos that go through the center of the earth at 40 milliseconds. <laughs> and I fundamentally believe that if one of these networks, you know, if Solana is the financial, you know, like infra for the entire globe, it's worthwhile to go do that R&D and do that <laughs> to cut those 40 milliseconds. I mean, we're going to come back to this in a little bit because I want to talk about sort of crypto markets, capital markets, like, you know, the, this concept of like, markets much, much more writ large, like, you know, it, it's a huge concept, it has huge implications, but like tokenization of information and the ability to exchange value around that and other things become possible in, in, this, uh, in this realm. And, and you know, you, you, you see experiments with that with, with, you know, information markets today, but, but you can imagine that exploding, right? And being much, much larger. I mean, you look at like, advertisement right like that's a tradable market where people buy and sell pixels very small numbers yeah. right of like being exchanged like at you know constantly and i think that's one of those use cases where if we succeed we kind of we can transform the web from being like parasitic to like yeah. stealing your data to like actually being you know symbiotic with you and you're in like yeah. your environment and like how you how do you consume news so yeah. to me there's like just kind of like all this stuff is good. Like it, it feels like a really good mission to, to work on yeah, this. And being able to move uh, a fraction of a cent of value for uh, a, a significant fraction of that. Like yep. people go, why, why would I need that? Well, because you can revolutionize the business model of the web, right? You can, right. You can do some pretty amazing things with that. Sam, I want to talk about um, layer two um, and, and your choice um, in launching Serum and working with the Solana team and you know looking at what's happening you know, out there and sort of saying, you know, you, you obviously have a deep understanding of like what, what markets need to do um, and, and what yep. the innovation needs to be on top of those. And just, I'd love to hear your thoughts and then we'll follow up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to echo, you know, some of what you guys were pointing at, 
Um, I think one one place where where I definitely think about uh, you know choosing chains differently certainly chains sort of broadly understood as you know including both layer ones or layer twos or or whatever um, I, is you know rather than thinking like what's sort of like you know what's the bigger biggest pressure point with the thing I'm trying to do right now which I do think is important um, you know I, I think I think also kind of like try and take a step back and say like where are we actually trying to go mm-hmm. and what does that mean and I think the big difference between that is when you ask the first question when you ask the question of what's the biggest pressure point you know most people will say it's scaling like it, it is throughput it is speed um, you know the like ethereum as it is isn't scaling enough and you know we need to do something new um, and and you know there's a lot of suggestions whether it's uh, you know some other layer one any layer one whether it's a layer two with some roll up whether it's um, waiting for eth 2.0 and you know a lot of those can solve the problem of making uh, you know of making most of the current ethereum apps um, you know more cost effective um, but that's sort of not the end goal like the end goal is you're thinking you want a billion people to use this you know yeah. the end goal is like what happens if instead of saying like can we do a trade you say like can we do most of our trading mm-hmm. on this chain what happens if you know as you guys are saying like could twitter be on chain yeah it could like there's no reason it can't you know and so you expand from like this set of narrow things we're looking at now to like almost like you know a blacklist instead of a whitelist of like right. what things can't we get there and can we right. get everything else all of a sudden you're not saying like oh shit we need an extra factor of 10 you're saying right. like we need, yeah. yeah like we need as much as we can get we're trying to go from a thousand people to a billion like you know and, and so so the first thing that i would say is that like everyone knows that like somehow we need to have something faster but i think it's not just like a binary of like faster or not faster it's it's how much faster and i think how much faster really matters yeah and um and 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 faster also means kind of two different things, although they're correlated with each other. One of which is throughput, is like how much stuff can you have on chain, which is sort of a lot of what this is. But you know, another is also latency. Is like, and latency. There are lots of ways to define it. For now, maybe let's just say latency is like how long does it take for you to be like ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure what a chain did. It's like like for all intents and purposes, you can like start updating based on that. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know that's sort of like another variable there and um and that also matters and what scales it matter at you know it sort of depends right it depends for different people but but in general humans reaction time 100 milliseconds so that's like one guidepost right like of if something's like like that's sort of the time scale in which humans are really going to be able to tell um how much latency something has so there's a real difference between 50 milliseconds and 500 milliseconds and five seconds and you know more and more of that you're just cutting out more and more like you, you know, you say like, can you have Twitter or instant messaging on chain? Well, it, it depends at a hundred milliseconds of latency. Yeah. At 10 seconds of latency. Yeah. I don't really know. Maybe, you know? Um, and so, um, and then you start to say, well, how do you need more? Do you need like one millisecond? Do you need a microsecond of latency? And the answer is, you know, for some things, like there are things that are extremely latency sensitive and some HFT versus HFT trades qualify as that, you know, um, there is you know, a lot of like scientific instruments qualify as that. And and so there's some things which is going to be very hard to have on any decentralized system is just the communication time between different nodes and speed of flight is too much. But, um, but and, and so you can kind of chunk that out. 
but you're still left with like, you know, probably two thirds of what the world does, you know? And, and so, I, you know, sort of what I'm thinking about is like, how can we start to approach that remaining two thirds of like the activity of the world getting on chain? And, and yeah, like, you know, when we're sort of looking at blockchains, you know, the thing that really stood out about Solana was not just that they sort of like quoted a higher TPS number and that they could actually like, you know, in fact, hold that higher TPS, but that like it mattered to them. And, you, mm -hmm. you know, they were sort of like trying to get faster. They had a roadmap for scaling over time. You mm -hmm. know, it wasn't sort of like, oh, yeah, congrats. We got 2000 TPS, checked that box. Because 2000 TPS is not going to be enough forever, even if it's enough right now. Um, and, you know, thinking about scaling with more thought, thinking about squeezing out another few orders of magnitude, right. those all really matter. So, well, and, the, and the architecture of Solana, obviously, just being able to like leverage Moore's law and HPC, exactly. commoditization of HPC and just that constant cycle, right? Exactly. You can scale right. with that growth, which is so compelling. Exactly. So, so the like, whole thing was you know, designed from first principles with like actually really caring about this. Yeah, yeah. Like people don't people don't realize how fast that stuff changes. Like yeah. um, twenty years ago, I would be as crazy sounding to say that we're gonna have one gigabit at home as I am today saying we're gonna have one terabit at home. Yeah. So literally, there's gonna be one terabit connectivity twenty years oh. from now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, I mean, which is insane, probably, right? Like I can't even imagine what the hell we're gonna do with it. People, people, I think that, like, the, the whole evolution of like the bandwidth on the internet and what the internet made possible, it's a really good analogy here, right? Like, you know, like ISDN was like, we have copper wire and we had dial up and it was really terrible. And then we were going to use that copper wire and we're going to just like roll ups on, on copper wire, right? <laughs> and, and, and like, it was like, okay, but like you couldn't like stream HD video on that. And then, you know, you, you've gotten, you've gotten these orders of magnitude jumps that are completely different architectures and it just radically changes what society and the economy and humans can do. And that's, I think here in this, this sort of trustworthy compute and transactions arena, right? That's what we're doing. Um, yeah, cool. So um, I, I, you know, I think like, um, you know, the, the layer two efforts that are out there, I mean, it ties into sort of what's happening with, with DeFi now. And I think, um, you know, we were all, or I think probably all pretty interested in, you know, Vitalik's original white paper and a lot of the ideas around DeFi were, were there back then. And what galvanized so many people behind Ethereum in, in 2016 and 17, and then this like real build out that happened around these ideas in, in 2017 and 18 and, and really getting off the ground in the last year um, were those ideas. And I think that the, the ideas are really profound. Um, and, um, you know, I kind of look at where we are now. Um, you know, we introduced USDC because something like Ethereum made, made that possible. Um, and, and that now here we are in 2020 and there's all these protocols and uh, there's composability and the, we're seeing the, you know, the quote unquote harvesting of that like, quite literally and all this business model innovation um, around it, um, which, is, which is amazing, but you know, it, it feels like you know, we're, we're potentially hitting a wall. And, um, and, and I think just at a time when the, the potential for humanity and, and whether it be like how people move value around or how, how markets can function, right? Potentially hitting a wall. Um, and, and that's sort of why these choices around, you know, are we building on a new infrastructure or, or not become so profound? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think, you know, I think something with, 
which both of you have said, just really want to echo is it's so easy to underestimate the importance of future improvements in capacity and speed. Um, because, you know, you often think about them in terms of what you're doing right now and think that a factor of two is what you need, because you're not thinking about the like really unbelievable things you could accomplish if you had a factor of 10,000. And like, the internet is not something that people were envisioning as it is mostly yeah. 50 years ago. Cause, and a lot of that, it's not even the, the structure or anything. It's just like, they didn't realize really, wow, we're going to get so much throughput. They would just fucking put everything there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, all the world's knowledge, every human communicating instantly. Yeah. All, every business connect all these ways. It's, it's phenomenal. Right. So obviously like, you're now, I want to turn actually a little bit in terms of DeFi, right? You've, you've looked at a lot of innovations happening in DeFi, both of you. And, and I think a, a, a big project here is, is saying, hey, with this greater capacity, um, what, what can be built that's different? And, um, you know, Project Serum, you know, is, um, is obviously, you know, a lot of people go, oh, it's a, it's a DEX or whatever. Obviously it's way, way, way bigger than that yep. in concept. And I think that's what makes it so exciting, but like, it, it feels like you're building a, a composable comprehensive financial market infrastructure. And, um, you know, talk just for a moment about the scope of that vision um, and, and what that is. And then we'll get concrete because you're, you're like launching stuff with insane yeah. velocity as well. So, but like, you know, that, that vision, that com kind of composable financial market infrastructure, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, the, the sort of like the first thing that came out really, the first substantial thing that came out was an order book. I think the reason for that is that first of all, it is sort of a fundamental building block of finance. I mean, it's just all over the place in finance. Like most volume happens on an order book one way or another. Um, and so I think it's, you know, a super important primitive thing that allows you to kind of just like express arbitrary pricing opinions, you know. Um, but the other reason is that it, it's, it's sort of a proof of concept. It's sort of like a, this was the hard thing. Like this is the thing that you couldn't really get to work on other chains. And here you can just do it. I mean, it was finicky to be clear. It's a real pain to launch because first of all, just building a pain, an exchange is a pain. I mean, it takes a lot of work to build one. And it, it's, it's actually quite a bit harder if you're building a decentralized one because it, it's, it's like theoretically it's the same. Like it, you know, and in fact, it feels a lot more theoretically the same in some ways on Solana because, you know, it's sort of built to mimic what normal computer programming feels like to some extent. But, um, but it's just, it's way less forgiving. Uh, you know, right. building a DeFi application. Like, it's not just you can't fix bugs later, but you sort of take that to the extreme. And usually when you're launching exchange, like you just don't bother thinking like, what if someone tries to submit a bid for like 13 quadrillion dollars? Will that crash the exchange? You're just like, no, no one's going to do that. And if someone does do it and it happens to bring down the front end, then whatever, we'll put some limit on. We'll say, like, yeah, okay, no more than like a billion dollars per bid. No one will care. <laughs> and like, if that turns out to like, hit some edge case with Dogecoin because like its tick size is too small, then whatever. Once that'll happen, they're like, okay, fine. Yeah, actually it's like number of tokens, not number, whatever. You know, you sort of like, there are a lot of cases where you just do something that you're sure will not be catastrophic and will like probably work. And like, if something moderately bad happens from it, whatever, you'll put some heuristic in later to patch it up. And it's sort of ugly and, and, and like unseemly. And it's also just the truth of how the world works. And as you dig into these platforms, you just see they're, they're fucking everywhere. Yeah. And as you're building one of these, obviously they're there. It's like, it would take 20 times as long to build a platform 
if you had to protect against literally any possible input sequence, you know, from the outset, right? And like someone asks for a new API endpoint and you're like, okay, we can launch this in two years. Once we've done fuzzing on this with all possible input sequences and stress tested every single DDoS protection, like, no, you're like, okay, let's do something reasonable. And like, if someone brings down this endpoint at one point, then we're after like, put in some reasonable protection. The problem with building a DEX, like an on-chain DEX is you just lose a lot of that, right? You're sort of like, oh no, actually if someone, if it turns out that that's submitting a trillion dollar, you know, a trillion dollar offer because the price is insane, crashes the DEX because it just has some overflow error, does that brick everyone's money in it in an unrecoverable way, right? <laughs> that's like the kind <laughs> it's of thing- a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah that, that's what you have to worry about. And so, you know, a lot of the, the kind of trickiness of building something like a DEX, you know, a lot of the time was just the intricacies of each of those and like thinking out like, this is the number of bits in this number. Like we have to make sure that like, you know, no matter what, as long as it's like no bigger than this, it won't overflow any of these buffers. And, and like, you know, theoretically, technologically, it's easy. It's nothing is like impossible there. It just is finicky and unforgiving. Um, but but you can do it, and, and and you know after some amount of time, um, we did in fact do it, and 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 you know now it's live. There's an order book uh, on on Serum, and and it's basically the only like performant, you know, easy to use, fully on chain uh, order book and matching engine in the world. Yeah. Um, it's because you it's like you can do the math, and like if your tour is magnitude slower than Solana. You can support like one of them, you know. You get like your you get your order book, <laughs> um, and so, um, but you use it, and it, it. I mean, if you're a human, it just sort of feels like a centralized exchange. If you're a bot, you notice it's, it's slower, but but like as a human, you click a button, a second letter, everything's settled. Yeah, it's about you know sort of yeah. GUI response time anyway. So, um, so so I think it's like super powerful and fundamental and a and great proof of concept. But but as you said, that's it's just a start, and like. You know what really is the end vision? The end vision is what if you got thirty percent of the world's infrastructure on chain? What with a billion people using it? What would that look like? And and then what's between here and there? Many many things, obviously many layers. But like, what might the next few be? Well, first of all, just building out all like the important primitives, starting with maybe financial primitives. But right. I mean, someone's building a messaging application to it. It works. There's oh, you can go to projectserum.com, see some open source code. It doesn't have a great GUI right now. It's a little finicky, but uh, but you know, a lot of this is focusing on financial and in infrastructure. But um, I, you know, the kind of building blocks of all of this to make it easy for people to then build their applications on top of it. Um, and as you said, like one of the really huge things here is composability. And like, what are the? Why would you bother with DeFi? I mean, there are lots of reasons. I think sort of the permissionlessness and the trustlessness is a big part of it. But I think another huge part of it is, is the composability. Is that you know, Anatoly builds some application, and then you know, uh, you want to build something that interfaces with it and you can just do it. You know, you can just like read all of its data on chain. You can interact with it, you can send messages to it and, and you can sort of compose with it almost as if it's just natively one application without having to consult with him, without having to get his, you know, permission. And, 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 and that's just like so powerful. And I think as all of us know, you know, there's this really tempting thing to do these like joint ventures with mm -hmm. people where you're gonna to build together mm -hmm. and they can be really powerful and they're almost always unbelievably harder than they seem. 
because of the seams in the middle. You spend all your time on like, oh fuck, we don't have an API endpoint for KYC data submission. And the other side doesn't want to submit PDFs because they're too big. So we can make this a JPEG. Like that's what you spend all your time with is like these little interfacing blobs and like, oh fuck, we're now, our DDoS protection is like shutting off our white labels and stuff. Um, and if you do things on chain, that all just drops away. And one really cool, powerful example of this is if you guys haven't tested this, you should do it. Uh, if you happen to know how to like spin up a server, is do you want a DEX? Do you want a, a Serum DEX? If so, it can be yours in like 10 minutes. Like right. all you do is like there's open source GUI code. You can make whatever modifications you want, put it up on your server, point to whatever markets you want. Um, new ones or existing ones, point this sort of like GUI feed rebates to your address and you're done. Yeah. And, and you just, you can't do that in, in CFI. So, yeah. I mean, so, like, go ahead. Adam, totally. I, I like just, I, I had this like realization that like early on that these networks are equivalent to when we went from like analog communication, direct copper line between two people to packet switching and storing forward. We're literally like doing store and forward packet switching, but for programs and like money and data. And that's kind of like mind blowingly awesome. It's really transformative. I want to get, I actually want to come to like the, the bigger picture, like how does this change the world stuff in, in a minute. But I'm um, like, uh, like just back, back on Serum, like you, you've obviously you launch order books and they're they themselves that's just like it's an order book engine that is now composable and anyone can build on top of it yep and you know like usdc is now obviously like a digital dollar that now can work in this infrastructure and people can compose with that um and program that obviously that becomes a really valuable in those order books um but um you know what what are the other major um near-term um kind of building blocks you know obviously they're sort of borrow lend automated market makers, liquidity pools. There's, you know, you have the pools concept, which is a more yep. generic primitive that people could use in like a lot of different ways and what, what happens with all that. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone will have sort of their own pet projects, but, and I don't know that my sense is right, but I think it's probably not crazy of like, you know, what are sort of really the core financial primitives? Order books, clearly one of them. Um, some sort of digitized dollar, clearly one of them. Like, you know, you can't just have everything priced against themselves, yeah. you know. Um, and um, and then what are so the other ones? Um, some sort of margin or borrow lending or something like that is super crucial. Like it just underpins all of finance. And there are all these different systems for it, right? There's structured products, derivatives, there's borrow lending, margin, futures, uh, you know, repo, like, like, and, you know, they are diverse and have their own twists, but at their core, they're all the same thing. Like at their core, they're all a way, they can all just be represented by a borrow lending protocol. Mm -hmm. Like that's sort of the core underlying technology but behind them all um, is a way to be able to, to uh, you know, use one piece of capital and take one piece of capital and, and sort of like use it as if it were another one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, lend it out to borrow another one. And whether these are synthetic, future capital, whether it's deliverable capital, um, whether it's like some wrapper, however you want to put it. Um, and so something like that is really crucial. And I know some people are working on some pretty cool borrow lending protocols right now on Serum, which uh, you know can can just power a ton of things. And, and I think one of my favorite examples of the power of DeFi and composability is like, how do you build a margin trading exchange 
you have a DEX, a spot DEX, you have a borrow lending protocol and you're done. Like you just tie them together. And it's not like now you go build your margin trading DEX. It's just like a wrapper on top that routes orders back and forth through them. And in one click can send a margin trading order right. through those. Right. And, you know, theoretically you can do this right now in crypto. You can go to Coinbase, buy a Bitcoin, send it to Huobi, lend it out, but it doesn't like, right. you, you gotta be a quantitative trading firm if you, if you want to like make that thing work, right? Like it's a huge production. Um, whereas in DeFi, it's just like, yes, when someone builds a, a website on top and, um, you know, that just like wraps the, the commands together. So, um, so that, that's one of the really core primitives. Um, you know, what else is there? Um, some sort of pool like object and, you know, a pool can mean a lot of different things, but at its heart, it's like a place that you can like put stuff and then mint a token that represents ownership of that stuff. And what does that allow you to do? It allows you to create structured products, obviously. It's sort of in some sense, a core underlying component of borrow lending, of AMMs, of a lot of other things. It allows you to do things like yield. You know, you can drop yield into pools or onto pool tokens. Um, and it allows you to have multiple people joining together in the same trade or the same process as they join the same pool. And so I think that's a really powerful uh, building block for a lot of these things. Um, and you know, simultaneously, a lot of people are, are close to releasing instances of pools, you know, a lot of AMMs and things like that, and also sort of generalized pool code. So you can sort of like customize each little, little endpoints, you know, sticking out of it. Um, so I think that's sort of another thing. Um, and then, you know, the stuff around the edges to plug into the rest of the world, whether you're talking about, you know, cross-chain stuff, whether you're talking about fiat on-ramps, off-ramps, you know, somehow uh, it has to touch the rest of the world. And I think stable coins are one example of that, you know, like one way to do that is you can like send dollars and mint USDC and send it to, to, to Serum. Another version is you can, you can interface with, with, you know, Ethereum or, or Bitcoin blockchains or you know, uh, centralized exchanges that, that are supporting SPL tokens, you know, but things that plug into it to let you access the system. Um, and, uh, and so I think that's another you know, really crucial thing. And once you have those, um, almost everything that people are looking to build, you can, you can go ahead and build. You can kind of put those together, put tweaks on them and, and just start releasing. Um, and so I think as those core pieces start coming into place, um, what it, you're going to see is that um, that just sort of composing those together, um, yeah, allows a lot. You know, it allows a lot of what people want to do. Right. I mean, uh, it, even where you are today, it's just mind blowing, right? Where people, anyone can create a market and theoretically create a market in anything. It can be a dollar price market, and that's like in the yep. UI, right? Um, yeah. And exactly. And, you know, when, when we talk about um, information markets and, and other things that go beyond, you know, pe people who are building, you know, you know, financial primitives, but, but actually, you know, creating markets much more broadly um, is, is, is super exciting. I guess like, that's like the, a, a bigger, bigger picture kind of question, which is like, we're talking about market infrastructure, we're talking about sort of capital markets more broadly, um, as you're saying, Sam, like, you know, how do we move, uh, you know, two thirds of the world or, or how do we move a third of what is the financial system or some huge amount onto this kind of infrastructure? But like the, the, the big question is sort of like, why bother? Um, like, why bother? What how is this going to improve the world? And like, what are the what are the fundamental? I mean, I, I have an intuition about that. Obviously, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but like. Ultimately, like these market infrastructure innovations, 
should create fundamental improvements in like microeconomic market structures, in macroeconomic market structures, in you know the nature of what even a corporation or, or a, a, a collective vehicle of, of of corporate form looks like. But like, what's the why bother in both your minds about this? Uh, I, I I can go first. I guess like I, I kind of have like a very this is probably like too reductionist of a view, kind of like doesn't capture a lot of nuance, but like a, you look at Gardner reports or McKinsey reports, finance is like $20 trillion, like some 20% of the world's GDP, just moving numbers around. If these systems that are provide sufficiently enough trustless, like censorship resistant computing can take a chunk out of it, I think the cost will reduce dramatically, you know, not by 90%. That's literally giving everybody in the world a day off without hurting their standard of living. Like that, that's, I'm down for that, right? Like I want to work four days a week. <laughs> it's like fu fundamentally returning economic yeah. value to the, to the yeah. economy right. or whatever you want to describe it as. Yeah. The, yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no reason why it should cost more than like, you know, one, like a, a few electrons to update numbers in a computer, right? No matter what those numbers are like, how many billions of dollars they represent. <laughs> I guess yeah. like, Sam, I'd love to hear you talk about this, like just like the substance of what changes in the economy when we have a world like this. Yeah, I mean, a ton can, one, one sort of like, one, you know, maybe one analog for this is, um, is something that's happened in the, the kind of uh, fund in, industry over the last 30 years, uh, you know, ETFs and mutual funds and things like that. And I mean, I sort of came of age as we're already transitioning to the new standard, but, um, but, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, when you're, you know, you had some money and you're going to invest it in the market, just generally speaking, who knows what, right? Maybe some broad market fund, what fund would you put it in? What fees would you pay? And like, how much, you know, how much middleman taking away would there be? Who knows? It could be anything, right? Like, what would you kind of like go to your financial advisor or like click on the one button that your like portal has and have like some random fee, like sit a bit the years at 5% a year. I don't know. I mean, it's it is what it is, you know? I like your financial advisor, be like, I recommend this fund for you. I think it's really, yeah, yeah. I really think I have confidence in it. And be like, all right, fine. I don't understand any of these names anyway, right? And I just have an extra like 3% a year tacked on in fees and like, you know, so be it. Like, is that the fair cost for us? Who the fuck knows? Um, <laughs> And, and, and right. And like, there are all these industries that existed in finance that were just products of this, like all these subdivisions of investment banks that their only business, the only real business was like, how do we like create some PowerPoint presentations around this product we're trying to launch to convince people to buy it, even though its fees are an extra 2% a year, right? Like, how do we convince people that, you know, whatever that, you know, like, Morgan Stanley Special Opportunities Blue Chip Fund is what they should put their money in, despite the, the the high management fee. And the reason is like they even talk about the high management fee. They talk about the special opportunities. No one even knows what the management fees are supposed to be. It's like so, right, like, um. And then what happened? What happened was the internet happened. And I don't think it's obvious to everyone at the time, but it's really fucking brutal for this business model. Like really bad for it. And the problem is. 
they're just websites. You can go to a website right. now. They're just awesome like, to zero and like exactly. information asymmetry was sort of blown out of the water. Right? Exactly. You just type in S&P 500 ETF, you get the list of them. You're like, okay, it seems like there's 20 of them that charge 10 bips a year. And like mine's charging 2% a year. And I see it here at, at place number 30,000. Maybe I should not buy this thing that my financial advisor said I should buy. And maybe I should just buy like VOO I, in, instead, you know? And, and like just like over a decade, just completely killed these funds that never served any purpose ex except for upcharging people. Because there's just this like global trusted database mm -hmm. of all the all options. And, and it's just a number in the end management fee. And now you just can't really get away with high management fees. And yeah, there are things you can do. Like the third, people are still finding ways to upcharge people, but it actually did take 80% of the money out of that game for mm -hmm. you know getting people to invest in funds, you know? And each year you can look at open interest graphs for ETFs and each year it takes a little bit more in the direction of the low cost funds. Mm -hmm. You know, Vanguard's just like slowly going up. Um, and and that's great. <laughs> it sort of cut out a ton of bloat. Um, and um that's sort of very similar to a lot of what I, uh, you know, you get by I, uh, or what you could get by putting things on chain is you get an open ecosystem. You get an ecosystem where everyone has access to everything and everyone can see everything mm -hmm. and just like look at it and like, you know, the the like you know equivalent of the management fee is just like a number on chain and you can like look at it and be like that's too big. I want to use this one instead. You know. Um, you can compare the system you're using to the system other people are using. And um, I think it has the potential to, you know, take a lot of the duplicative work that the world has right now, where people rebuild the same thing over 3000 times, not to refine it, but to be able to rent seek on it in their own way. Uh, and just sort of like cut through a lot of that. Mm -hmm. What do you think it takes to, um, to, I mean, tokenization is is sort of the, this bigger theme, right? And if you have a market infrastructure like this, like it becomes infinitely more valuable if the tokens that are on it are, are you know, uh, ownership and or assets or other things, right? Uh, future cash flows of a business or uh, a right project. Like what, like, um, how do you see that maturation process and and sort of what what are the markets that are realistic to be on this now versus in 12 months, 24 months, 36 months? Yeah, it's a good question. So I'd say a lot of things could be on it now. Not all businesses, but many businesses could be. Um, but realistically, most won't because um, it's just that the tooling around it isn't built out enough that like, as someone who has no idea what a blockchain is, you can just go click the put your business on a blockchain button. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you need to have like blockchain developers yeah. and stuff. And and, and that's just like, you know, a threshold that most won't cross. So it's going to be kind of random, right? Like which businesses are on now, if you're building on Solana, it has the capacity to support a lot of businesses. And so it's less going to be, could it be, and more, it more just going to depend on like, does your particular company happen to, to have a bunch of blockchain developers on it, you know? Yeah. And if so, then yeah, maybe it will be. And if not, not yet, you know, check again next year. And, you know, we'll see what happens over time. But the goal is that, over time, this just starts growing and snowballing. And you know, each year, another 1% of all companies um, build out the infrastructure and support. Um, it's not that hard, right? Like, like especially for like a giant company, we're talking like hire a team of five people and they can do it. Yeah. But like, you know, it's yeah, you have to actively decide this is one of our corporate priorities. And so, you know, each year it gets easier and more popular, sort of the, yeah. the, the goal. And then the other thing that I'll say is one thing which is like, I don't know if it's a downside of 
of on-chain stuff, but it certainly is a, a pitfall, um, is that it, it's so easy to mint a token. Like at some point, I think a lot of people in crypto have had this light bulb go off. And the light bulb is like all this jealousy towards other people who have a token and you don't have a token. And then you're like, what if I want to make a token? How hard would that be? And like, wait, <laughs> is it really five minutes? Like I just Googled it and here's a website where you can click the make a, a token button. Does that work? And you're like, oh God, that works. That's what was stopping me all this time. I didn't Google mint, mint a token, please. Um, and then people just go wild. Well, this is like where, like this is the composability thing of like, you know, if you have like stable coins, right? You can actually have yeah. like the treasury of a business and all of its flow. Yep. You can have a you, you can have a contract with it where it's got output to you, yeah. as a token holder. You can put voting and governance and yeah. you know what is a corporation after all? But exactly treasury and it's a voting system and it's a contract for token holders, right? So yeah, I mean that's like the innovation curve. We need people who are are thinking about building these quote unquote digitally native uh, corporate forms that are just, they exist yeah. on the global internet, they exist on chain, they exist in, and, and, and they're the enforcement, if you will, of, of that is just, is done through, you know, smart contracts and just, we have the building blocks there, right? So I'm exactly. not sure if it's be like the big companies first, it's probably gonna be like more- It's gonna the, be small and medium sized companies that like have someone high up who's excited about this, you know, at the beginning. But yeah, like one of the most amazing and powerful things is how relatively easy it is to do this. One of the pitfalls is that it's easy to do this even if you don't have anything. Mm -hmm. And we've definitely seen a little bit of that this yeah. summer where people realize, oh, I could just mint a token tomorrow. And people don't go through the, the work of like, maybe I could create a useful, valuable project and then put a token in it, they skip that first step. And they're just like, I'm gonna have a token. No one has grabbed tacos yet. I don't know why, no one claimed the taco token. I'm launching the taco token. We're gonna figure out what it does later. And and it does mean that like, it's really easy to mint vaporware. Yeah. And you know, I think that's something that, that this space is just gonna have to contend with. It's it's a really fundamental property of it, the openness. And and it's, you know, you can deal with it. Like it is not fatal or anything, but it does mean that, you know, people just have to be a little bit cognizant of that and 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 uh you know figure out how to have some sort of you know trust systems mm -hmm. in a world where the barriers for building something that looks like a product aren't so high that only a legitimate company would be able to do it mm -hmm. oh, go ahead sam i'm sorry anatoly i i think like um even that is also like something that's really kind of remarkably innovative is the ability to like organize people around like a like a fungible thing is like governance and like it, it seems like very like like vaporware right now um but i remember like six degrees and those super early like yeah. internet social networks that were just seemed like this is cool but i don't know what to do with this i don't know why i care if i'm separated by like you know two degrees from somebody famous i, I think they're these these kinds of experiments are going to like be doing something interesting and like when we get to three four hundred million people all organized by a single token i think that's going to be kind of probably worth more than facebook for that many users right like it th th there's something really cool yeah there. i mean i i think that's what i'm excited about is like we're going to see um we're very likely to see like I, I use the word corporate form but basically like new new you know new corporate forms that people participate in 
and that they, they have an economic relationship to and that it organizes work and it organizes like creative output and yeah. it's all run entirely in software on chain on this infrastructure and it seems like now like the building blocks for that are kind of falling into place um all right cool we're we're we're, we're um we're running out of time i have to ask a usdc question um which is like I think you know you guys have like all seen USDC grow and and um, and it's been a, a big year and we we're talking about all this infrastructure opening up and all these opportunities opening up like you know something like USDC it's like three billionish today like what do you think in twelve months twenty four months where do you think USDC will be? Yeah, it's a good question and you know I think a lot of people really radically misunderstood the stablecoin business model i think uh, like do you remember what was it, was it late 2018 the like month of stable coins when everyone is doing nothing but talking about all yeah. the different stable coin companies oh, yeah. and it made no sense because first of all everyone seemed to think that you get 150 million dollars under management as a stable coin company it's the best company in the world but the profit like the margins are not big on these things like <laughs> that's not worth that much and also everyone seemed to think that like there was i uh, like Everyone seemed to like elide the question of like, what are the advantages and disadvantages of various ones here? Mm -hmm. And sort of like you made a stable coin and all of a sudden you're a hot company. And I think that like, it sort of missed, yeah, two big things. The first is that all the, the like really huge outcomes here aren't getting huge, right? It's like, you know, how does a stable coin become extremely valuable? It's, it's when you start measuring it in, billions and tens of billions and hundreds of billions. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really isn't the scaling of it. And second of all, people try to be way too cute with the, the model of it and the structure of it. You know, people are sort of like, you know, oh, my stable coin is algorithmic and like only, you only create on Tuesdays. And, yeah. and it's just like, <laughs> like, there's just like lots of ways to make it a little bit worse, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and it's sort of like everyone had their own theses on it. And like, but like what, like if it's a tokenized dollar, like it's, there's sort of just a, a, an obvious way to do it. And and that a lot of slight improvements you can make that are like really intentionally thought out, but like random perturbations just make it worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's sort of the fundamental thing here? You know, the fundamental thing is just building a good product. It's just like making it work really well. Um, and, and going back to the scaling thing, like making it able to massively scale without friction. And I think that that's, always sort of been USDC's calling card has been like, how can we like make creations and redemptions of it as easy and cheap and, and fast as possible? How can we like make sure that there's as little bullshit as possible that slows it down so that it can just sort of seamlessly scale up? And uh, anyway, it was sort of like this really mysterious month of everyone building products that were like yeah, yeah. obviously later to the game and 20% worse than USDC. Um, and trying to become the hottest crypto company with like no roadmap to, to, to like, uh, you know, get, but anyway, so, you know, where could it get? I mean, it's really hard to tell. And I think that like one thing Tether has shown is that most people haven't thought hard about that question because yeah. every year Tether breaks a new record yeah. for open interest. And I say, well, it's like, holy fuck, like billions, like 5 billion, 10 billion, yeah. 15 billion. And it's sort of like, yeah, you yeah. know? Like, what happens if, like, you know, if, if, if Jeff Bezos wakes up one day and decides he wants to 
puts himself on the blockchain, it might go from 15 yeah. billion to 50 well, billion overnight. The block size is no pun intended. Like, uh, like they get they're, they're really changing, right? And, yeah, yeah, that's right. The step function changes of like the types of capital that get deployed into this form factor of money. It's just, it, and, and like I don't think people quite see how how you know whatever dollar exactly. money markets are. How many trillion dollars? Um, yeah, so, exactly. It's sort of the same thing with TVL and DeFi. People are shocked as it keep, kept getting bigger. It's like, I don't know, guys. Like, if you're yeah. paying a million dollars a day, how much TVL are you going to get for that? A lot, yeah. You need a billion dollars yeah. of TVL. It's not that hard. Like, yeah. if that's what if that's what you want. And and so and similarly here, like this isn't the paying for it thing, but this is like there being demand for it. But yeah, you know, how much demand is there for you know liquid uh, money like things in, in crypto? Like, you know, yeah. billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions, maybe right. trillions at some point. Sure. So. Yeah. It really depends. Like it could be anything, and and like I wouldn't be shocked if it shrank a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if it added two orders of magnitude, yeah. and uh, over the next you know year or two. And and what's really going to just determine that is like just how much demand is there. Like how fast is the crypto ecosystem growing? Yeah. How many people are trying to get into? How much money is trying to get into it? Like yeah, you know, is a quarter of that can end up in stable coins? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, you know. Well, we're seeing tons of people just doing investments in USDC. I mean, we're just seeing so many people who just the, the, the receiving firms and others. And now, obviously, with like, you know, you just can see on these, you know, new platforms and just obviously like Solana, like a 300 millisecond digital dollar is pretty awesome. So um, we're, we're excited. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited for that. And I think obviously I'm a little biased here, but I do think it's great for USDC as well from thinking about it from the perspective of like, how do you position yourself as the stable coin? And I think like he's done a great job of just making it really easy to use. But I think also like, you know, it sure would be a shame if the answer is like the scaling platform ended up centering on some other stable coin and like that. And, and I think that like making sure that you look at the sort of like plausible routes to where a lot of this could end up and that, you know, it supports those is, is, is really key. Yeah. It's awesome. Any closing thoughts from you on this? Anatoly? Um, I think like, uh, like people often talk about like these big companies coming into the space, like Visa, MasterCard, or even like Facebook, like Libra. I often think that like it's the innovators and the early adopters like you guys that are going to take these very obvious things a dollar that's cheap and fast to use <laughs> and, and make it global so i i am like just super excited about the boring stuff like we can do point of sale now under yeah, like yeah. Yeah, two yeah. seconds like that's <laughs> but that's trillions of dollars get moved every like yeah. you know a few months right if not yeah. The use case explosions is like the awesome thing. And like, that's just where everything's like clicking into place. Um, so, and it's awesome to uh, collaborate with, uh, with people like you guys. This is a lot yeah. of fun. So it's going to be an interesting, yeah. interesting couple of years. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, listen guys, thank you so much uh, for joining today and looking forward to all the stuff we're going to keep working on and uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Cool. So, um, uh, great, great show this week. I'm really grateful to have Anatoly and Sam and uh, excited for next week. Until next time, stay well, stay safe, stay informed. Thank you.